What's up, everybody? On this episode, we talk cannabis and e-commerce. Had on my good friend, Dakota Sheets. Uh, Dakota runs a seven-figure glass manufacturing company in the cannabis space. We talked about how he got started. We talked about how to find a niche in e-commerce. We talked about how to find a supplier. We talked about the importance of solving problems in a marketplace, working with influencers, converting ads on Instagram pages, reinvesting back into your business, and then actually building a business before you start talking about it. I had a lot of fun talking to Dakota and learning his story. I think you guys will get a lot of value from it as well. If you're thinking about getting into online sales, drop shipping, or anything online related, you're gonna like this episode. If you do, if you get any value from it at all, please don't forget to share, subscribe, rate, and review. All that helps a ton, and thanks for listening. Do you ever wonder how some podcasts get thousands of new listeners and you don't? Do you wonder how people get featured in major publications? Do you ever wonder how Instagram videos go viral? Welcome to the Giant Voices Podcast, hosted by Carson Jones. Every week we bring you the biggest names in podcasting, marketing, and public relations to help you break through the noise and take your brand to the next level. Oh, and we like to mix in the uncomfortable topics like mental health, anxiety, and the internal battles that keep us from growing. Now, let's get to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Giant Voices Podcast. On this episode, we have Dakota Sheets. Uh, Dakota is the CEO of Revolution Manufacturing, uh, a wholesale e-commerce glass cleaning brand based in the cannabis industry in Denver, Colorado. Um, Dakota started his company five years ago. He had $300 in his pocket. And over those five years, he found multiple ways to fail before eventually building his company to seven figures in 2019. Um, Dakota's tried everything in the e-commerce space. I'm excited to learn from him. If you have any interest in product sales or selling online, which in this day and age you should, um, this is absolutely an episode for you. I'm excited to share these insights. And on top of that, I think Dakota has a a very fresh perspective on life. I'm really excited to share his world. And uh, Dakota, thanks for being on the show. Oh, absolutely, man. I appreciate you having me on. And uh, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be an exciting show. I respect all the people you've had on here so far. So it means a lot. Yeah, I like to bring on people that have insights and have stories, but are also just like interesting, cool people. So let's start with the uh, let's start with the cliche part. Uh, let, tell me your story. Like why cleaning products? Why e-commerce? Why cannabis? Why why wholesaling? Let's just, let's just start from the beginning. How'd you get, how'd you get into this? So my story is a total uh, just trying to pick up whatever sticks you can find around you and build a fire, right? And um, I uh, I was uh, about 2014. um, I had a friend of mine that came to me and said that they had a failed um, window glass cleaning business, and they had about 10,000 of these empty yellow bottles. So I kind of obsessed over how I could use these 10,000 bottles to, to be able to start a business of some sort. And um, I always kind of knew after previous conversations with um, certain uh, people in my uh, town of Fort Collins where I was going to school and the entrepreneurship um, kind of programs I was going to that that many units would allow you to be able to scale the right way. So after some serious thought and uh, I should say trials and tribulations, we ended up failing in terms of being able to put a cleaner in these bottles. It was a lot more expensive, a lot more of a process than I thought. And um, we, I, I was had a conversation with a gentleman one day who told me that I needed to think of something around uh, using a, uh, an accessory to a cleaner versus um, coming out with just a, another cleaner. And at this point, we were we were just trying to decide what industry we were even going to go into. So um, it was not established that I was going into the cannabis space. And um, 
uh, kind of was born resolution. I uh, was doing a lot of Alibaba scrolling and um, trying to find plastics manufacturers because I had this wild idea that um, shaking up bongs with your hands was just a ridiculous process. It was gross. Um, and when I was going to school in Fort Collins at the time, uh, you know, everybody's glass was really dirty. And I just thought that it was a niche that we could solve. So these caps were, um, uh, it was an, a really incredible opportunity. I kind of, um, just after spamming a bunch of manufacturers in China through Alibaba, uh, got a company that was, um, willing to take my napkin drawing and, uh, you know, make a, what's called a foil mold. And with that foil mold, it only costs about $300 to get rolling. And, um, they send you essentially two, 300 units before that mold breaks. Um, but what I was able to do with those first two, 300 units is take them to, um, some of the local head shops around town, uh, Smokey Monkey, Kind Creations, and just the places that, um, you know, uh, everybody in my community, um, would be buying, uh, whatever their, uh, things at the head shops that they needed. And I, I put these caps in like a, a business card holder box. If you can imagine what like business cards come in and, um, like stapled a, uh, a, uh, just a, um, a thick piece of paper essentially that was printed onto the top of these cards. I'll have to send you a picture after. Um, but it, it sat in these boxes. And when I came back two weeks later, they were gone in all the stores that we put them in. So, um, that gave me a lot of confidence and that's, that's, that's truly the birth of it. I know that was kind of a lot, uh, uh bouncing around right there, but, um, that was the, how we initially started. No, that's, uh, that's really cool. And I definitely want to see the, the origination product. Um, it's funny cause I had Steven on the show who, who, you know, very well, who's actually our connection. And he sent me his very first flyer of his marketing tool. And it's, it's just, it's just kind of cool to see how things start and then where they eventually lead to. So. So walk me through that process because niche, niches are funny. Like all it takes is like one small thing or one addition to, you know, a big industry that everybody needs or everybody wants. And, you know, you can create a lot of money. Like I, I saw you can create a lot of opportunity. Like I saw somebody talking like, you know, if you're having a bad day, just think that somebody that created the the noodle that goes in the pool is a multimillionaire. And I just think that's funny. We, we overthink things a lot of times, but sometimes it's just that addition or that one one small thing that connects with the big industry that creates a lot of success. Like how, how did you, one, how did you find um, somebody to build that mold for you? Like how do you find the right person to work with? And then a two, what was that process like? Yeah. Uh, well, there's a couple questions there, but starting off with the niche one, it, it to me, it's such an important thing to do when you go into uh, selling products in any form and wanting to start a brand. With everybody out there in today's in 2019 trying to put their name on anything and make it as their own, and um, it's so important to have a differentiator. If you don't have a differentiator, then you're just another company and you have to be really good at marketing and you have to be really good at aesthetics and you have to be really good at graphic design and video and photo. And all those things are expensive unless, you know, you're doing them yourself. So creating a niche um, was the, the, the kind of the, the it, I've called it like our best worst mistake because I've learned so much going into um, just selling these caps that there's a huge advantage to an entire industry kind of taking me in and being like, Oh, you know, Dakota is not competitive with anybody necessarily. He created his own thing and that opens a lot of opportunity and distribution and um, a whole lot of realms like that. 
So <clears throat> the, 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 the niche side like with that is important, but coming with it being niche means that your market is cut into anywhere from, you know, 125th to 100th is where, I mean, I think that the uh, resolution did when we came out with the caps, um, that, that, that was a very important lesson because I think that we would have grown, uh, I don't think I would have been able to have a lot of the same relationships with people. They wouldn't have given me the same amount of opportunity if we would have jumped right into cleaner. Um, but the actual orders that are coming in um, are much larger because you're not in a red ocean, you're, uh, you're in a blue ocean. So there's, you know, there's already people out there that are selling these, um, these products and now you just have to win over that space. So um, that's what the niche allowed us to do. Yeah. And just to clarify, because I, I didn't know what they were at first too, but what, what is a cap and how does it, how does it, you know, fit in the, the cannabis industry? Right. So the res caps are these little silicone caps. They're very gummy kitchen silicone, um, about a 40 durometer. So they're pretty stretchy and you're able to snap them over the top of water pipes. So when people are cleaning them, um, they're not covering it with their hands anymore and shaking up um, these gross chemicals and getting on their their body, their clothes, or uh, just all over their kitchen and making their roommates mad or whomever that uh, that, they're, that they're living with. So these caps just make the cleaning process of, uh, quite frankly, cleaning a bong a lot, a lot easier. And, um, you know, being 20 years old when I started this company, it was something that was surrounding me in Fort Collins. And, um, you know, that's, uh, it, it just made cleaning easier. Um, yeah. So in my day, we just, we just left the water dirty and, uh, we didn't worry about it, but <laughs> if you think about it, like that's going into your body. So probably not the best decision, right? right. Well, correct. There's, there's a whole uh, lot of stuff that we blog about, about, um, the reasons why bacteria wise you should be cleaning often. Um, you know, for me as somebody who, uh, kind of uses cannabis as uh, a true medicinal value in my life and, um, a lot of anxiety ways and, um, other things as well. But I think that like, it's important for me to not ever fall into that stigma of the dirty stoner uh, couch potato. And that's, that's what resolution really has been bred off of is, um, trying to show people that, you know, um, if, if you're, if your glass looks like that, like kind of, what does your bedroom look like? Do you got clothes all over? You know, is it, it's just, it's, it, to me, it was kind of a, um, a fundamental piece of keeping this clean and keeping whatever keep, kind of keeps the rest of your life in order the same way that people talk about making your bed in the morning or whatever that it may be and kept me out of the gray area of being too much of a stoner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's interesting because it really is like one thing you learn over the years of doing business and just interacting with people. It's how you do one thing. It's kind of how you do everything. So right. if, if this is a mess, then other parts of your life are a mess too. So I think that's uh that's really cool. And then just other than that, not breathing in, you know, the tar and you know the leave behind is uh is great. So I definitely want to talk more about the the cannabis space, but um you really have grown your success through the the cannabis growth. Like over the last five years, this, this space has really exploded and you've been a part of that. But um you said that you failed every way that you could possibly fail. Like what are what are a couple of those stories um uh, of the failure through this process? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> my brain goes in so many directions when we talk about this, but I think that when I say that we failed so many times, you know, I could go into a lot of different stories, but the one that I initially think of is, um, I taught, tell so many of my friends and family that want to start making a product or something of the sort that it's not about the quick wins. There's going to be nothing overnight that makes you a ton of money 
especially if you don't start with a bunch of money. Uh, because we started with nothing, it was it's truly climbing and just uh, you know scr- scratching to be able to be able to be where you need to be. And um, my first day coming home from a trade show, we sold uh, the initial four thousand units that I was able to um, to get here from China. And at the time, we sold them immediately and sold them within hours at this trade show. And and what what that did when I came home, um, I just expected that everything was going to be everything was going to be done. Um, like we were going to hit a rocket ship. And I had to learn what cash flow was and how to how to flip. You know, going back to that manufacturer, they're not going to make four thousand units again. They need you to make ten thousand, and then they need you to make twenty thousand, and then they need you to make forty thousand. If you don't start meeting what they need, um, it, it will uh, they'll cut you off, or your prices become more expensive. And that's that's the first point of failure that I really don't think people understand because <clears throat> it's easy to get excited when you start a business. Um, and it's easy to get really excited about those kinds of moments. And what that does is it makes everybody in your life think that, uh, that what is happening, it gives them like some kind of thought that they get exactly what's going on. And to me that the failure over the next five years lied so much in my friends and my family and people that couldn't see that, Hey guys, we did a quarter million dollars in revenue. Like this is so exciting. Like this is really awesome. But then how come you're still sleeping next to boxes how come you're still packing orders all day and night? Like, how come it's it's still so hard? And <clears throat> I think that like, you know, when I think about failure, I think it is so much of it has to do with not letting the roller coaster of the lows not let you get back up to the highs. It's about being consistent. And I that that that's something that may sound confusing, but it, it, it's um, to me been the hardest part uh, when having a direction and growing this and, um, you know, understanding what you really have versus caring about what the quick outside anybody thinks or thinks they know, especially when you've never done anything like this before. Um, I feel like when you get into a spot where you start moving hundreds of thousands of units, there's nobody guiding you. There's nobody helping you, especially in my space that has done this before the way that, that we've gone about it. And, um, you know, failures are, are, are going to come with that. And, uh, and that's been my biggest challenge. Yeah. It's all based. We talked about this last week. It's all based off your ambition and what your dreams are. So, you know, your friends see, you know, you're, you, you know, you made 250 grand in a year, but your goal wasn't, you didn't start this business to make 250 grand. You started this business to, to do something a lot bigger. So like, maybe that seems like a lot, but your, your ambitions are a lot higher. Like I remember we talked about last week, how, you know, at the end of the day, like I'll get a lot done and I'll feel productive. But then I, I almost am like beating myself up at night because of, of what I didn't get done. And it's just because like that, whatever that is, that, that stigma inside of us that makes us want more, um, than the average person. Is that, is that what you were going through? Yeah, I think it's, yes. I think that that definitely is something that I'm always chasing is, is the next key to success for myself. But I think more so it's understanding that cool, you made a quarter million dollars, but now you have to spend 500,000 to actually grow this the way that you need. And that makes it super, super challenging when, when you, when you uh, do have those same aspirations that you're talking about because you have to be so selfless time and time again back to the business. And whether it's your time or the actual money that, that's going into it, um, uh, mainly being. So, um, I, you know, to me, that, 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 that's such a big piece of, uh, of starting something that I think most people don't get over and that they, they 
get upset once they make their their initial money, but realize that it's not an overnight thing. It's going to take, if you made 10 grand, you have to figure out how you're going to now spend 20. And um, yeah, that that's kind of what I was alluding to. Yeah, you have to keep scaling. So let's uh, provide some value to, to the audience here. So I remember when I first got into online marketing, I, I thought I was going to be a drop shipping hero. I heard all these success stories about uh, how everybody was making all this money doing this. And I got on Alibaba, I found these really cool watches that I I was just sure, I was certain that uh, this was my my million dollar product. So I built a store, you know, spent, I've taught myself how to build a website, built the store, um, got all these, all these watches in there. And I finally made my first sale. And when the customer got the actual watch itself, it looked nothing like the, the picture. It took three weeks to come. The packaging was terrible. The watch was broken and uh, it was a complete disaster. So for you, can you maybe get some advice? Like, how, what's the key to finding like a winning product? And then, how do you find yeah. like a wholesaler or supplier? Like, how do you find somebody worth working with so that your when your reputation's on the line, it's not getting you know it's not getting hammered. Definitely, and you know I've had those kinds of failures too. Uh, our first two years of filling gel was an absolute nightmare. Our gel is our cleaner resolution gel. And um, I lost about $40,000 trying to put it in a pouch the right way before we were able to lock that process in and buy an induction sealing machine, which is a little foil cap that seals like what toothpaste has on it. And, you know, those, those kinds of failures, the only choice that you have is just to figure out how to get over them. There's, there's the, the, this, the only choice that any of us have as entrepreneurs is, is we're faced with roadblocks and there was tons of them when we started and there always will be them, but we just have to figure out ways to move past and, um, you know, there was times when I had that $40,000 in leakage where I was personally filling bags to get e-com orders out um, by the dozens at, at, at that point. And um, so, you know, the, the failures like that are absolutely there as well. But um, when we start talking about uh, finding a good manufacturer and, and um, it's, it's a lot of trial and error. Um, I've worked with really great factories and I've worked with really bad factories to me. Um, people that are responsive tend to be the best. And, um, you know, just like you, when I started, I was, I was, I was going through Alibaba and talking to tons of people and essentially copy pasting one message into an RFQ and in, in spamming tons of factories at one point. And the best way I always, the, still to this day, the way I found my best factories, whether it was a spout pouch or a new brush company, it's the people that are the most responsive and that they're the ones that you, you wake up in the morning or you stay up late and it's 2, 3 a.m. and they're being wicked fast. And it's the first day that you got on the, got on the line with them and they're getting you pricing and so forth. So I, uh, you know, uh, as far as the quality goes on products, um, I've definitely seen it all, but I think trial and error is the best way uh, to, to go about it. And don't ever buy bulk without getting a sample first as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's kind of how I work with some freelancers too. It's like the nice thing about it is you can, you can test for, for cheap per se, compared to, you know, what you could do by buying product here in the U S you can test multiple products and then find one that works and, and keep going. Um, is that, is that kind of how you did it too? Would you order like a few products and then see what was the best quality, see what would come the quickest? Yeah. Uh, well, like I said, with the first caps, it was, it, they were, they were pretty junky and it was a foil mold. So, um, you know, they, they, they sold and they actually worked and that was exciting. Um, but when I went back and I, I, I thought I was going to be getting uh, a, a very similar product, they changed the, the, the design a little bit. And when I bought the actual titanium mold, 
um, the the integrity um, because we we made it the caps thicker and did some of those changes that we knew we needed to. Um, then the product quality was increased immensely and. That a lot of that has to do with you know again getting those initial samples, seeing where where I think things could be better, which was thickening it, and um, and 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 running from there. Yeah. So so then you took it to the next level because you told me that your your success hasn't really come from the e-commerce side. It's come from you you found a product that worked, you found a product that was quality, and then it turned into more of a wholesaling business as opposed to um, dropshipping or e-commerce. Like what was what was the strategy there, and like what was that risk like? Because wholesaling is a whole different game. It's a pretty big investment. Yeah, that and maybe that's why I keep coming back to you know having to buy more inventory because my story is a little bit different, focusing on the wholesale side. I, the only way I knew how to sell something at this point was face to face. I grew up knocking doors, um, selling anything from coupons from when I was in middle school to eventually like roofs and chasing hailstorms and all that jazz. And, um, I would, I would go to trade shows and feel comfortable speaking to people and uh, trying to make sure that our product was on the distributions, um, shelves that I really respected their, their brand. And just, they looked like they knew what they were doing. And, uh, a lot of that was me walking around a room and just handing out some free caps to people and, uh, that equated into some serious wholesale sales. But when you're selling a product that retails or MSRPs at $12, um, by the time you're at distribution cost, you're, you're, you're at a much, much smaller margin. So um, yes, we're selling tens of thousands at a time, but you don't make that much. And that's what makes you have to go back and buy more. So the wholesale world was really good to me and is good to me. Um, the cannabis space is still super small. And the, the the actual distributors there's less than five that um, that are, are national and can put true serious orders in like like every other industry and you know it, it, when it's that small still it was pretty easy to get my name out there and make sure that we're at the right you know parties after these shows and um, and and trying to make sure that the brand is presented the right way not just as like the actual product but ourselves and my team. And, um, and, and the wholesale side, it just is something that always came more natural. And as we, as the wholesale side grew, I started understanding that the better we got at e-commerce, that was the true way that we were marketing, regardless whether we were making sales or not, I considered it just eyeballs and impressions and views. So if I was going out and I was doing e-commerce stuff day in, day out, maybe I wasn't making that many sales at the time I'm talking, you know, uh, less than $5,000 a month up until, two years ago in e-com, um, it was still what, what my stores were telling me, like, you guys are all over the internet. It's awesome because we were the only people in our niche that were really getting after it and doing that in, in the cannabis cleaner space. So <clears throat> that began to evolve into more e-commerce and um, more uh, as we started working with some more influencers. And, you know, I uh, shout out to like Weed Humor. They were some of the very first people that we were running ads with and like, 2015 and um that was the beginning to something much bigger on the e-commerce space because it 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 was the first time that i felt like i was kind of playing roulette or you know gambling so to speak because it's literally like i was putting down x amount of dollars and watching x amount come out from the traffic and on the e-commerce site and the better i got at that the more scalable it was and um and, and of course, there, because there's so much more margin in the direct to consumer, we were able to, to continue to fluff um, more influence, more non-personal pages and uh, grow into that community as well. Yeah. So so you really hit two waves at once, which is really cool. Uh, you you kind of grew with the influencer space and the cannabis space. And uh, 
and really just kind of like rode that wave on both of them growing. Like, what is, what's the key? So it's cool. Cause you, once you figure it out, like you would almost convert an ad that worked and you knew every time you'd put down X amount of dollars, it would return, you know, three times that what, what was your strategy there? Like what, what, what did the creative look like and how did you implement that to be able to, you know, to know that that money was coming back to you? Definitely. Well, um, kind of back to trial and error and failure, but we definitely started figuring out what ads worked much better than others. And, um, you know, to, to give some insight to what's helped us and be successful is, um, memes have always done really well for resolution. It's always um, been a great way for us to get on the explore page and somehow tie it into uh, our brand itself. So um, that, that was a great way to, to, to grow an audience. But as far as what I would, I would say one of the biggest secrets, not a secret, but one of the biggest uh, reasons of success that we've seen on, on the e-commerce space is by taking influencer content, and then running that influencer content through these non-personal pages. And what that does is it makes people feel like it's it's relevant because they know that influencer already. And now it's trusting because it's going out to such a, a, a mass group of people that is is a broad audience, whether it's, you know, at funny, at, you know, whatever that it may be. Um, and uh, these pages that, that then, uh, you know, also we, we do kind of have an advantage that somebody shaking up a bong on the internet uh, often hits an explore page, which is, is something to be thankful for as well. Yeah. It's a, it's a viral product, which is great. And so, so what would that look like? So you would, would you send the product to the influencer and they would shoot a piece of content and then within the ad, you would, you would tag, tag the brand. Yeah. So, um, I, exactly. I would ask them to take a short, um, video uh, if they needed me to edit it, I would just chop it up real fast. But it essentially just shows them pouring in the cleaner into the glass, putting the caps on the glass, and then shaking it for a minute, and then just showing the piece clean. So all that, all those shots could be done in 15 seconds or less. And um, when I had different people send me those, uh, <laughs> this is where it gets fun. But I would put at Resolution Colorado with two fire emojis. And then I would say... Um, I'd say at uh, at Resolution Colorado with two fire emojis, and then I would say I think I think it depends at the different times, but something catchy underneath that or not catchy, but just bold like top product of 2019, and that seemed to always have uh, still does have the best um, results that when we run those style ads, um, yeah. It's it's so fascinating because we've started trying to integrate because it's it's so hard to get people to do anything from Instagram. Like it, it's it's so difficult, but you you definitely figured it out early. And like what we figured out by trying to get people to go to podcasts, you know, marketing podcasts is you can't just put up like a preview of a podcast on a on a page that's used to seeing memes. Like it has to be something that they're used to seeing already. Um, it then ties into your brand, but. I I, just, I think that's funny because the, the, you 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 already figured that out and it, you know you find out something that works that fits that page and then you you run with it and just keep doubling down with it. Yeah, and and I mean that's definitely been something that's interesting to me is I would think that <clears throat> that same ad would start to lose its value within those pages, um, but they really never have. Uh, the ones the ads that do well that um, that are again they're usually the pieces of content that do well on our page too. So that's another good insight is like okay if it did really good on the page then how do we run that on the non personal? Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's. It, it, 
it's interesting to have this conversation, Carson, just because, you know, I've, I, there's very few people who can relate to understanding how and what, what the psychology is behind putting an ad out there like this. And, um, you know, I, as some, as we're all marketed to all the time with everything that we do, I just don't think people are even necessarily realizing it all the time um, when they're scrolling their Instagram these days. And it's just the best for, the best way to get people's attention because that's where the most attention is right now. Yeah. And so what's the key? Because this is a big thing too. There's one thing to be able to get a lot of views. It's another thing to get somebody to purchase a product. Like, Is it the copy on the website? Is it landing page optimizations and sending them directly to a product? Like what, what's been the most successful for you guys in terms of converting that traffic from just a, you know, a follower or a like to actually buying the product? Yeah. Um, you know, I think a lot of people follow us initially and then it definitely takes some time and we have all sorts of processes trying to get people in. Of course, we're trying to collect emails. That's first and foremost is we, we want to get um, people's emails so they can stay up to date with our brand and, um, and in the deals that are being offered. Um, if people are willing to give us their phone number, um, they, there's specials that, that we also send out, um, shout out Dennis Hegstead and like live recover. Those guys are awesome. And, um, SMS services are super undervalued right now. And, um, that's, that's so all, there's all sorts of ways of, yes, somebody's going to come, they're going to come see your page. They think it's cool. They like it. Um, they scroll for a little while. Maybe they go to your website, um, but there's all sorts of ways that we need to be retargeting that customer. And there's uh, an absolute um, essential, like the absolute most powerful thing you need to be doing is making sure you have an email flow set up that's going out to these new potential customers. Um, I would say step two that a lot of people don't take advantage of whatsoever is making sure that they have a pixel set up on their Facebook that they can do retargeting on. Um, something that's kind of interesting side note that uh, resolution is not allowed to run ads. Facebook will turn us off immediately. But as long as it's retargeting somebody from our website using the pixel, they'll always let it run. So that's, that's a, I think that if anybody's in the cannabis space right now, it's a million dollar piece of advice. But um, that uh, m- making sure that you're retargeting set up through, uh, like I said, email, pixel, Facebook. I mean, we have Pinterest. Um, we have uh, uh those would be the main the main uh, ways that I, I, I Google, of course, as well, making sure people are being retargeted there. Um, and uh, yeah, retargeting so funny because you know you always hear people that just don't understand how it all works, and they're like, "Oh, I was just thinking about this product, and it popped up in my feed." And it's like, "No, Johnny, you searched for that product last week, and now we're just following you around the internet." <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's so, right. So what's um. So what do you think is like, so what's next for resolution? Like what, where, where are you guys going? Cause it's, it'll be really interesting now that, you know, Instagram is changing a lot of their algorithms. Um, Instagram's doing a lot of different stuff. Cannabis has obviously evolved so much. Like what, what's next for you guys? Like, how do you continue to make sure that, you know, you're on the cutting edge with products, with out, with marketing, like what, what's, what's next for you guys in the next eight, 12, 18 months? Definitely. Um, well, <clears throat> we still have to, dominate the cleaning space within itself. Um, the, again, we've only had our cleaner, the actual gel cleaner itself for um, less than two years and less than a year of it being like actually really pumping um, and not having any problems. So I need to make sure that as a brand, um, we not only are the number one bong cleaner on the internet, but uh, we're the number one bong cleaner on every shelf across the US. And 
um, because of the landscape of uh, our competitors and uh, the value that we bring in the marketing uh, section, I believe that will dominate that as well. We just have to be patient and keep showing up every day and working hard and make sure that um, we end up taking that over because nothing's happened happened fast. It's it's been about that consistent linear growth, and um, so I would say that. And then we just want to make sure that as a brand, we're we're doing what I talked about earlier and um, preaching, uh, practicing what we preach. A eh? but uh, making sure that that we're a, a bit of a stigma free brand that people in the cannabis space want to be able to, to buy, um, you know, not just cleaner in the future. I want us to be able to be dabbling in, in a lot of aspects. And I want us to be a, you know, Burton snowboards as company of the industry. And I think because of how uh, we've navigated the industry thus far, there's a lot of opportunity to do so, but it can't be forced. It has to be genuine. And, um, I think that that, that, that's just a patience game. Yeah. And, Patience is something we we talked about a lot. Um, before before I let you go, like I I, I enjoyed our conversation we had about uh, about this sort of like Im- imposter syndrome. Which what that means we talked about is like neither one of us like I, I've been in the podcast industry for years before actually starting a podcast. You worked for five years and developed a seven figure figure company before you decided to start talking about it. Like, why do you think it was important, and why why did you wait to start sharing until until now? Well, just in wake of all the fake gurus out there and, uh, you know, people trying to scam people on the internet, like, I just don't, I, I think that, <clears throat> I think that the first person that really acts like they got it figured out have the least figured out. And the more I've grown in life, whether it's business or getting close to a mentor or something like that, it's, it's, it's become so relevant that nobody knows exactly what they're doing or how they're doing it. So I've never wanted to be somebody that got on here and said, do this, do that, you know, uh, by, by any means. But, um, you know, as, as, as we grow and as I grow as a person, like I want to be able to, you know, I aspire to inspire kind of that corny quote, but like, I just know how, how hard and how many times I had felt so bad about myself because nobody was there to be able to relate on the hard times and still like you're showing cash flow, all this stuff. It's so exciting. But I just, you know, I, I that's if it, there's anything that somebody could take away from this, it's just understanding that building this is is super difficult and it's about patience and it will pay off and being a good person in the long run will always make sure everything fall your way. Um, it's just about showing up and, and continuously being uh, the person that you want to be. And, and um, I, you know, I, I believe if you do that, your industry will take care of you. Yeah. And, and people can sense when you haven't actually figured it out, you know, the more questions you ask, the more you start knowing somebody, eventually that stuff comes out. And it's a lot less stressful to start talking about it after you've actually done it, because, you know, now you've got a little cash flow. you're not stressing about, you know, making your next rent payment, you can just focus on like giving value and actually know what you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think that that obviously has a lot to do with it. I got a lot long ways to go. Um, but I think that uh, these are these conversations are really important and, and just being able to understand an entire journey. So, yeah. And you're such a good storyteller. Like I've, I really enjoyed this conversation. Like resolution Colorado on Instagram is a must follow the way that you guys, you know, just create interesting content. Like obviously you've got a, a haven for, for content out there in Colorado between the trees and the snow and everything. It's so cool. But um, if you're listening, definitely go check out resolution Colorado and Dakota, if somebody wants to connect with you or ask you questions or just say, hey, um, where can they find you? 
Yeah. Uh, follow me on at Dak Sheets, D-A-K Sheets Instagram. Um, that's definitely the best place to communicate. Um, super active in the DMs on there and uh, would love to give any advice or um, any, any way I can add value if, uh, if somebody wants to reach out. And <clears throat> Carson, I really appreciate you um, having me on as a whole, man. This has been really awesome. Um, I, I know we're both kind of running quick in between a lot of stuff right now, but uh, I'm super, super impressed with your podcast and the people you've had on here so far. And I, I can't, can't wait to uh, see it crack the top 50. I'm sure it's going to happen in no time. So <laughs> you're a legend. Dakota, I, I appreciate you being on and thanks for the time. We'll, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the Giant Voices Podcast. If you love the show, don't forget to subscribe, share, and leave a review. Also, if you have questions, message us on Instagram at Giants underscore Voices or message Carson at Carson Jones.